host of this show, Max Naist, lived in addiction for years and made lots of destructive choices, which resulted in losing friends, family, and his career. After being in jail for the fourth time, he knew he needed to make some big changes. Now, sober for 17 years, he shares the steps he took, which led to recovery and got his life back. Welcome to Fearless Happiness. 19.7 million American adults have battled a substance use disorder. 38% of adults have battled an illicit drug use disorder. But no matter what the struggle, no matter the challenge, you can overcome anything and become successful. Max and his guests share experience, strength, hope, and faith. If it's PTSD or military-related, trauma, physical, verbal, sexual addiction, alcoholism, you can accomplish your dreams. And with this show, we help others be fearless in their pursuit of happiness. This is Fearless Happiness, and this is Max Naist. Welcome to the Fearless Happiness Podcast with Michael J. Gilbert. Um, so glad you're here, Michael. Thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule, um, to sit here with me and have a conversation. Um, so we're going to get started. Um, but what I like to do is, um, I like you to introduce yourself to the audience, let them know who you are, what you do and take it from there. Sure. Uh, yeah. Michael J, not Fox, uh, Michael J Gilbert. Uh, I help businesses tell compelling stories that attracts investors and customers and you know, uh, dad of four daughters, you know, I get the sympathy. Oh gosh, you know, four girls, you know, <laughs> I, I, I call it my greatest accomplishment. So um, I love it. Awesome. Give uh, give the audience a little bit of background, like, cause part oh. of the podcast is hold on. I'll just let you know, like part of the podcast is I introduce like most of the, if not every one of the guests I've had, had some type of struggle in their past and how they overcame it and how they became successful. Uh, because that's the whole premise of this podcast is showing people that you can get through any challenge, regardless of what it is, whether it's addiction, depression, anxiety, PTSD, whatever past struggles and um, showing people that, you know, what it looked like for you to overcome those challenges and how you got from way back there to where you are today. That is, uh, that is a story there. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and we'll be in my uh, upcoming book uh, called too stupid to quit. But you know, uh, my, my story is uh, I, I, I always tell people, I'll give you the 22nd version, which is, you know, orphan drugs prison and uh, you know, a lot of betrayal, uh, 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 abandonment issues, things of that nature, and just came out of came out and, and had a very good support system, which a lot of people don't have that uh, support system. But uh, I had a great support system uh, in in not only in business uh, but in, but in life. Uh, but it was just you know failure after failure. You know, had great success in uh, business, but uh, relationship wise, uh, just failure after failure after failure. Finally, after my uh, uh, my subsequent divorce uh, about eight years ago, I realized something needed to change, and that 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 thing that needed to change uh, was me. And so, uh, I met with uh, my life coach, and in talking to her, 
we really figured some things out of do you want to continue to be the pauper and the victim or do you want to be the badass warrior? And I'm like, yeah, so I want to be the warrior again. And, and she goes, you know, fuck you. You don't want to be the warrior. Warriors serve kings. You want to be the king. And I had to think about what that meant. And so I asked her, I said, well, okay, I, I somewhat get what and understand what you're trying to convey to me. What does that really mean? And she goes, when you're born and the umbilical cord is cut, you're now a sovereign entity. And you, you know, whether you call it God or the universe or Mother Earth, whatever you, whatever you choose to call that higher power, um, you're no longer reliant on your physical parents in the spiritual realm. And I had to understand that since I was connected to that power directly and no longer through your mother, when that umbilical cord was cut, that I have never been an orphan. I have never been abandoned. I have never been unloved or unsupported. I've always been loved. I've always been supported. And, you know, uh, you know, the father has always had my back. Right. And it was a, it was just a, an instantaneous. Holy crap! That's that's freaking awesome. So, uh, and it was instantaneous for for us. And we had a, you know, we had my my life coach Anastasia was just. We both had a moment. She goes, "I've never seen someone have such a, a profound breakthrough this fast." But that was a that was an eye opener for me. Yeah, and I get that. And when I got sober you know, and finally did what I was supposed to do. I, I kind of relate to that. Mine was with a conversation with my sponsor. And I, I remember I was just on this rant, right? Like you said, I, whatever, universe, God, mother earth, Allah, whatever. I don't care. I call him God, right? I'd always come at him like, you know, well, he abandoned me and he did this. And why would God, if he loved me so much, put a nice guy like me in freaking jail? And they love playing the victim, don't we? Yeah. And I was just like, and he would just stop me. And in this calm, calm, calm way, he'd go, Max, he never, ever left your side. Maybe those times you went to jail, he was actually saving your life. And he had me do some work around that and actually write out like the times I was arrested. Like, what would have happened if I didn't, right. you know? And there was a couple of occasions I go, I either could have got myself really hurt or somebody got, you know what I mean? And I, I yeah. could have been sitting in a prison cell. I often say I'd end up in a ditch dead. Yeah, exactly. You're six feet under. Right. And then, you know, I would get mad. Well, he took my kids away and, and he'd go, no, you gave them away. You fell in love with drugs and alcohol and you gave them away. That wasn't God. He, and I would just go, you know what I mean? Like, I hate when you're right, but I get it. I had that moment when he said that, when he had me do that assignment, when I realized it brought me back to that footprints poem. And I thought about it. I go, wow, when I was struggling, he was actually carrying me because some bad things could have really happened. And you and I could not be having this conversation if I would have followed, you know, if I didn't get arrested or whatever divine intervention, I like to call it happened, even though I didn't like it. Right. Um, but I get that. It's it's just, a, you know, when we're stuck in the shit, as they say, we don't see that stuff until later. And someone brings up a different perspective and you go, oh, OK, I get it. 
So now it's like, we're like this, as I say, we're like tight, even though I don't like some of this stuff. I don't like his sense of humor. You know what I mean? It's like sometimes God, okay, you got to chill out here for a minute. I, I know you're laughing at me, but just got to chill. And um, it's just amazing how, how life turns out when you finally take that look at yourself and go, what can I change to be a better human being? You know, I know a lot of programs have that, uh, take a personal inventory, you know, I know AA and a, you know, probably, you know, overeaters anonymous and sex anonymous or whatever those programs are. Uh, they always talk about taking inventory. And that's a tough thing to do, man, when you're the cause of a lot of problems. So, mm. and I speak from experience. Yeah. I, I am, man, I love playing the victim. <laughs> uh, yeah. I remember when that came up and I said, I had to do what? Why would I want to freaking talk, tell on myself? I go, I don't tell. I'm not a snitch, especially on myself. You know, that whole back, you know, that mentality back then. Yeah. But, you know, that the result of doing that process was just absolutely life changing. If you, you know what I mean? To take, it really is. Take that honest look at myself and go, wow. I heard a lot of people, you know. Well, in writing my book, I wrote it 15 years ago and I didn't publish it for a, a lot of reasons. But when I started looking at uh, and rereading it just this past week, I, you know, as we, we, you know, you and I know, we call it that imposter syndrome. I don't, I don't belong here or here. You know, I'm going to stay down here. And you, I really started taking some more inventory of and remembering, uh, what Anastasia taught me was transparency or lack, you know, lack of transparency blocks, you know, love, success, money, career, uh, in every aspect of your life, whether it's spiritual or your health or your, your financial life or your education. Uh, and I'm not talking about formal education. I'm talking about reading books and associating with people that make you better. Uh, but as I read that book, I started looking at the people that I hurt. And I was like, is publishing this book, going to trigger them in some way that uh, might be harmful to them. And so, you know, I called a few people and they said, yeah, but you're, you're telling these stories and especially my children, you're telling these stories, but you're telling how you overcame it and how you're better because of it. And so it all starts with that personal inventory as man, I fucked up. Yeah, exactly. And even as hard as it is, like you said, it's just taking ownership of what you did. I mean, you can't change the past, but you can definitely change your future by writing the wrongs you did, or at least trying and attempting, right? Because forgiveness is a big part of that process, right? And what I found out is that it's not for them. It was That's for right. me. It was yeah, for us. Matter if, if I got a door slammed in my face, I could still walk away and say, look, I attempted, I tried, I asked, right. you know, right. and, um, so to that, to that, my mother, my adopted mother, and, and had a pretty rough childhood being an orphan and then being adopted uh, by an extremely overbearing uh, adopted parents. And, you know, you can continue, you know, I had it in my head. I'm like, I'm going to go down. And, you know, I even posted on Facebook. I don't know how to respond to this of a woman I haven't really talked to in 10 to 12 years. And, and my adopted sister, not related to her at all, but she calls me and she came into town and stayed with me. And she, even she brought up a lot of the past hurts and pains. And, and she goes, you know, I saw your post, you know, 
thinking about, you know, do I go down there and forgive this woman or do I go down there and piss on her grave? Because it's just all the stuff she put us through, just the abuse uh, mentally and physically. And I, I was blessed to be in a position to share with my sister. Look, man, she's gone. So all that hurt and pain and anger that you're holding in, this is on you. You know, here it is 35, maybe even 40 years later. We're still carrying that. Why? So the forgiveness isn't for her, Sarah. It's for you. And the forgiveness that I'm going to go down with. And I deleted that post as soon as I made it. I mean, it was like two seconds later. Like, this is stupid. Right. I know, I know what to do. I know what to do. Because it just triggered all that old responses that we're, we're accustomed to doing. You know, we going back into that victim mindset of, uh, you know, reacting instead of how is this going to be better for me? How is this going to be better for my children? How is this going to be better for the world? And right. So it's forgiveness, man. Exactly. And this is where we learn to respond, you know, instead of react. Because I know guys like me and you back in the day, like that's all, what we were taught was how to react without thinking. Just like that's just what we were taught, especially if you ran. I'm ready to throw down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you'll, you'll throw down first, ask questions later. You know what I mean? It's about yeah. survival of the fittest. Oh, we're going to fight on three. One. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, exactly. And you know, there's places that you can't do that. You can't say, Hey, on the count of three, we're going to go at it. You're right. They're just going to look at you like, wow, this guy really lost his mind. <laughs> um, but you know, as we grow as human beings, I like, cause you and I are part of a, a network of people that are always trying to be, as we are learning to be the best and most elite version of ourselves. Right. And try right. to, do the best we can each and every day. Right. And that starts with helping each other out. Like you've done that for me. Um, you know, our group does, I mean, if you watch most of the posts in that group are all positive and, and it, it's some type of teaching way. How can I help you? How can, you know, this is right. what I went through. Here's the lesson I learned. So you don't have to go through it. Right. Right. So and doing what you do for work or for your business, right. That you're in the business of helping people. That's right. Right. We find so, pro- we, we help people un- uncover problems, sometimes problems they don't even know they have. And it's our job to provide a solution. And if it's not a good fit, let me go find someone that's a better fit. That's, you know, people say they're in the business of sales and every business owner is, whether they like it to admit it or not. But at the end of the day, God gave me two ears and one mouth for a reason. Ask questions and then shut up. Right. So, <laughs> <laughs> and through that process, you know, it, even even with uh, our conversation that you and I've had recently uh, is you've probably noticed I ask a lot of questions and mm-hmm. a lot of times it's the same question over and over. And we dig a little bit deeper. and look. It's like an onion. You're peeling away those, right. those outer layers to get to the, the core. And um, my mentor taught me that a gentleman by the name of Jerry. Uh, who's now passed on, and then later in life, Paul uh, Meyer, who's also passed. And I was kind of lost. I just didn't have a mentor. And then uh, when I was introduced to the program, you know, know, the the group of people that we associate with now, um, it reminded me of my mentors, and just that's the way they are. They they had a giving heart. Yeah, and that's what I have found in this group. And it doesn't matter matter what level you're at. Everybody's such a giver in that group. You know, everybody's about helping each other. 
And that's kind of rare now these days. I mean, you see it all over Facebook. It's either you're going to get in some argument over stupid politics or, you know. I got sucked into it the other day. I, I don't know if you saw my post. It's like I had to apologize and with my best friend, a friend I've known, you know, one of my friends I've known for 36 years. Right. I get in an argument with her on Facebook and I deleted <laughs> it and she deleted it. And I caught, you know, we talked and we're like, hey, I love you. I love you. And we don't even, we didn't even talk about the problem because it doesn't matter. Right. Uh, so, yeah, we get sucked in sometimes. Yeah, it happens to the best of us, right? And it's just funny when I see some of these people get sucked into that stuff. They get so mad. And it's like, man, you're getting at mad at somebody you really don't even know. Like you've never sat down and had a conversation with this person face to face. You're getting so pissed off that I can see the fire coming out of your ears. Like, wow. I, I laugh. I think I made a post about that a while back. And I... And I whether it was, you know, primarily religion or politics. And uh, I think I made a meme, a meme out of, I love making memes out of things. And uh, I think I posted something to the effect of, yeah, I changed my religion and political leaning from a bumper sticker. <laughs> <laughs> right. you no, know, it's like these guys that either put it on their Facebook page, which is basically a bumper sticker or they have a bumper sticker on the car. Right. And I, and I always tell my daughters, it's like, look, it's the same thing with tattoos, you know, uh, and even though I have them uh, and, and now I wish I didn't. But, uh, uh, you know, you don't put a bumper sticker on a Ferrari. Right. I, <laughs> I tell my daughters, you know, you're Ferraris and they don't always listen. But, it, you know, whatever. Uh, you know, it's your life. You do what you want. Right. But we're not going to convince people by arguing with them. Right. That just fuels the fire. I think if you could just, like you said, sit back, listen, ask questions. Sometimes they, sometimes with the questions you ask, like they get stunt, stumped. And right. then like, Ooh, I got to think about that one. Right. Maybe I am being a jerk. Maybe I need to slow down a little bit. Like <laughs> I think life is just too short, you know, as, as you know, and things, you know, why am I going to add fuel to the fire when it's only going to create negativity? Well, I, I have, for me, I have to look at, am I, if I am truly here to help people, yes, we're going to run across people that, that won't accept our help. I mean, take any addict, whether you're addicted to food or work or working out or drugs or alcohol or whatever your addiction may be, your addiction of choice. Uh, and people will not accept help unless they're ready. Right. And many times, even in business, people just aren't ready, right? And I let them know, hey, I don't think you're ready. I don't think you're a good fit for us because you're not ready. When you are ready, uh, we'll be here for you. So, but it's all around framing those questions to make them think and leaving them with those questions in their mind, whether it's personal, you know, spiritual, business, doesn't matter. It, it all comes down to one uh, core belief for me, and it is, Am I leaving something good, right? And what's my takeaway? So what am I leaving and what am I taking away? So I want to make sure that's that's in line with what my legacy is. Right. And that's awesome because I learned that, like we talked about earlier, programs, like 12-step programs. One thing that was drilled into my head early on when I finally pulled my head out, right, and the sonic boom was heard, um, <laughs> <laughs> was that, you know, meetings are not, and it's like, it, it relates to life, right? Meetings are not always where I go to take something. 
It's right. what am I giving to help the guy coming in or the girl coming in that's brand new? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I remember Paul, my mentor. Uh, he just a wise man, a very kind man. I never heard him speak ill of anyone, uh, but he said, you know, what you say about other people says a lot about yourself. Right. Absolutely. So he always taught me never to say, and I never heard him say anything bad about anyone, even though he had been through, he had built four companies and all in excess of a hundred million. Uh, one of which I helped him build him and I built together, but, um, and I just never heard him speak, speak ill of anyone. But he, he, he also said something to the fact that, look, did this person screw me in business? Well, yeah, of course they did. He goes, but I don't wallow in that. He goes, but if, if I speak ill of them and it gets back to them and later in life, I need them to help build my, you know, maybe I need them for personal reasons, you know, or, or, or a business reason. He goes, I just say they're special because all people are special. Right. Now they can take whatever they want from that. Right. Oh, they're special. Or yeah, that person's really special. He goes, they can't hear my tone when they hear it from a third party. But usually people will take that as they think I'm special. Right. And a lot of times Paul meant, oh, yeah, they're special. So, <laughs> right. He goes, but at the end of the day, people can take a positive message away from that, that they are special. You know, I, I learned from a, a friend of mine um, that uh, I've never met. We've been friends online for many, many years. We've talked on the phone many, many times over the years, and uh, his name is Tony Litster. Uh, hey, Tony, if you ever see this, but uh, he, he had a quote, and I, I've stolen it from him. Sorry, Tony. But uh, it, it's like, you know, we're, we're, you're a child of God of infinite worth, and I, I like to, to let people know that, that regardless of what we've done uh, and the failures we've had, it's not the end of the story, right? As the old saying, you know, the the and the adage goes of, you know, get knocked down seven, get up eight. Um, we can always write a new chapter. Absolutely. That's um, kind of similar to, um, oh, I just had a brain fart, but something similar. <laughs> um, Getting old sucks, man. God, it does. I'm going to be 53 tomorrow, man. And it does. I don't, well, it depends on the day. Sometimes I feel 53. <laughs> right. Sometimes knees I knees and the hips and the bones and the muscles. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but I know like you're, you're going through 75 hard currently and uh, well, what day are you on? If I may ask. Oh, like four or five. I'm, I'm already, yeah, I just started. Yeah. When you hit like two weeks, you're going to be, or at least maybe even before then you go, Oh my God, I'm so sore. And then that voice will pop in. Like, you know, you can just say, I'm not going to do workout this morning or right. Uh, but it was, was the like, best thing I could have done for myself, especially in this time of struggle was right. is do something for my mental toughness. Right. Which we know that's more of a mental toughness challenge. It's not about it really is. Right. Um, but it, it helped, you know what I mean? Cause I had those days. I remember I was getting ready to walk. I, you know, everybody thinks I live in, you know, it's sunny 75 plus degree weather every day, uh, sunny California and San Diego County. But, you know, we had this cold front come in and it was raining, right? So I go, dang, I already made a commitment. I got to go out and get my workout this day, this morning. So I go out to walk and I'm walking up and down this hill and all of a sudden it just starts hailing on me. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, 
and I didn't bitch because I, I was going to do a live that day on Facebook. And I, cause I, you know, I'm watching my friends and you know, one of them like Chris and, and his fiance, they're out there in minus whatever degree weather getting it in the snow. So I said, I better not bitch, man. I'm just- I saw those guys doing the 75 hard and, 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 you know, we just being here in Dallas and Texas, we just got hit with the worst in my, that I can remember. And I'll be 55 this year in a few months. And I'm thinking, I think I'll wait until the summer to start 75 hard. <laughs> <laughs> but there were guys out there. They were hustling it, man. They were out there in the ice and the snow and, and, and they were doing it. And I'm like, one guy that just completed it that was in one of Chris's group said he did his last day, his last workout in minus one degree weather in shorts and just that's in shirt and shoes just no. to see if he could get through it. He goes, I just had to do it. You know what I mean? I go, well, that, you're more yeah. power to you, man. Yeah. That's not going to be me. There are some but, things I don't need to prove. <laughs> right. But, you know, if that would have happened during the challenge, obviously yeah. I, I would have went out there, but maybe not in shorts and, you no. know, that's just not me. Um, I lived in New York, Chicago, uh, Seattle, yes, Denver, and I hate the cold. I always came home. You know, I, that's why, um, I mean, I love California and eventually I'm going to move out of this state, but here's the thing. I'm not moving to where it's like minus like Alaska <laughs> weather or where <laughs> our East coast friends live, you know, Texas sounds okay. You know, Tennessee, those are the South where it doesn't get too bad. Florida, Florida, but, um, but see, but that's the things we get to do. So these are the things I think that separate us from the people that just don't want to push themselves right to overcome those challenges. Like you said, we, there's a time in our lives where we love to play the victim. Like it worked for us, right? We got all this sympathy, like, Oh, there's Michael, a hug, you know, cause he's not doing well today or there's Max, you know, he needs a hug. But you're right. It's because it's easy. You know, it's easy to do that. Absolutely. And what I learned in that challenge and what I've learned in, in my 53 years now and, and getting sober and all that is even though there's challenges and it's tough, that's what's going to help me grow as a human being. You know, I, I maybe not to the extreme of a David Goggins who just thrives in that struggle, you know, that yeah. putting himself through hell. But I find myself now starting to get uncomfortable when things are easy. If that makes sense, you right. know, it's like, yes, it does. Oh, yeah. You know, and I'm pushing myself to be a better human being. And I know it, 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 growth comes from going through struggle. Do I okay. search it out and put myself in it? Maybe sometimes, like with the 75 hard challenge, but, out, you know, not really, but I'm going to learn from it. I'm going to embrace it. That's what I've learned. What about, what do you think? What's your take on that? Oh, I, I think I just did a post on that recently about, you know, fighting through some of the things that um, become easy, right? Uh, you know, Apex is a, is a great example, just the name in and of itself, right? So when you reach the apex, I mean, let's say you're a mountain climber. And when I was in Colorado, I got into rock climbing and we're talking, you know, hundreds of feet up. Right. It took me about three months to gain the strength to get a, a third of the way up the mountain, you know, and you're, you're on the rock face and it's scary as hell. And for a guy that, and for a guy that hates heights, uh, you put me on a Ferris wheel. I will, I will kill somebody. <laughs> I remember we were at, what's the, what's the beach there by Hollywood there in California. Santa Monica. 
Santa Monica Pier. Yeah, the one that has the Ferris wheel on the pier. And my daughter's doing this. She's in, you know, I'm, I'm sitting and she's rocking this thing. And it's going back and forth. And I'm white knuckling it. And I told her, I said, would you like to get thrown off? But, you know, and she thinks it's funny, uh, you know, and, but I, I've jumped out of an airplane, you know. Yeah, so did I. Uh, and, and I've, and, and I was disappointed. I was expecting, you know, that falling feeling. And I didn't feel it. It was just, it was windy. Uh, <laughs> But getting on a Ferris wheel, well, I have no control. Just, but you know, getting on the side of a rock. But I'd get about a third of the way up for the first ninety days, and then finally, one of the guys I climbed with, he was just a you know a literal monkey, and he was this little skinny white kid, and he would just all the way up, no rope. And uh, and I said, I want to be able to do that. And he goes, first thing you have to overcome is fear. He goes, look, I'm climbing up with no rope, but I've been doing this. For 20 years i've started when i was a kid right he goes you're just starting out he goes what do you think is going to happen when you fall i said it's going to hurt he goes you're attached to a rope you might fall 20 feet but you're not going to die and you got a helmet on and so i'm standing there and i'm looking up and i can see the finger hold where he had left a chalk mark with his hands and he goes just jump just grab it he goes, you'll, you'll grab it. You'll, you'll, you'll make it. And it took me, I bet I sat on the rock face for 15 minutes. <laughs> and finally I just said, you know what? I'm going to do it. And I did it. And I caught it. And I'm standing, literally hanging there by two fingers. Wow. And, and I'm sitting there going, this is cool. But here's what he taught me is when you hold too close, you're straining your muscles. And he goes, rock climbing is about using your skeleton to climb, not your muscles. Right. Uh, and it's mostly legs, not arms. And he goes, when you learn to trust your legs and your skeleton instead of your muscles, uh, except the one between your ears, you'll be a better climber. And that was the first time I trusted that. And I, and I have, I have photos of this that I literally made it to the top for the first time. So awesome. I trust, I trusted that and I was able to, to actually, uh, make the rest of the climb. So it comes down to, one, listening to your mentor uh, down on the ground, and two, trusting uh, the process. Absolutely. And that's the whole thing is trusting the process, as scary as it may seem. But when you get through to the other side, you find like, wow, I did it. And I've had yeah. many of those moments where it's like, okay, cool, I let go. You know, and I'm like you, I do the extreme. You know, I overcame my fear of heights by jumping out of a plane too, twice, once at 13,000 feet, the second time at 18,000 feet, you know, and that time it was the feeling of floating the 18,000 feet. It was just like, wow, I'm up here at 18,000 feet, you know, and, but it's just, the process is just actually putting one foot in front of the uh, over in front of the other and just overcoming those little fears. And then the more you do that, you find that you look for the next challenge and then it grows and. Well, back to my comment about the apex, you know, once, if you're, if you're into mountain climbing, rock climbing, you know, once you hit the top, that's it. Right. But in life, there's always going to be a new challenge. Right. So the apex is never the, the, the be all end all. Right. It's not the apex. So as soon as you hit the top, if you want to go to the next level, you know, as we say, we, if you want to level up, what does that really mean? What is it going to take? You know, we keep hearing, you know, pick your hard. Well, this is hard, but being broke's harder, you know? know? So you want to get here, it's hard. Well, guess what? There's another apex on top of that one. 
And there's another yeah. one on top of that one. There's another one on top. Of, and it gets harder and harder and harder. In business, you know, people always say the first million's the hardest. Um, and it really is. And once you learn how to do that um, and learn a replicatable process, then uh, it becomes a little bit easier. But it's never easy running a business or doing, you know, or changing our lives. Um, it's training our muscles, mainly this one up here. <laughs> has right. been the toughest for me, uh, just mental resiliency of, of following processes from people that have been there. Right. Because uh, we know how to screw shit up on our own. That's anybody. <laughs> right. You know? uh, well, I tried it that way, and I tried it that way, and I tried it that way, and I always ended up with the same result. I think I'm going to listen to this guy because I like where he's, what he's done or what he's accomplished. I think I'm going to listen to people that are, that are smart. I mean, I've started, you know, 26 companies over my career. Um, and, and I, and I look at, uh, people that have maybe have started two or three and they've been more successful in doing those than mine. Um, mainly because of one thing I think, and it's that it's not what you make, it's what you keep. Right. Right. You and I have a very similar upbringing. You know, we, we just grew up poor. And, you know, parents taught us things like money doesn't grow on trees. Right. And, and then you find out that, you know, money is just uh, an energy in the universe. All you have to do is claim it. You know, I laugh with people and say, I got I to gotta manifest it. And I don't believe in manifestation. I believe you claim it. There is no such thing as I'm going to put this. We're creators of our own universe. And if that's the case, all we have to do is claim it. You know, it's a, bibl it's a biblical principle. It's like you're an heir to the throne. Here it is. It's sitting there for you to grasp. Right. Go so you don't, have, you don't have to manifest it. It's already there. You've just put up this wall that has blocked you from seeing the truth. Um, and you just got to claim it. Yep. And it happens. That's awesome. So that brings me to the next question I'm going to ask you. So what does fearless mean to you? And how does that show up in your life on a daily basis? That is an easy question. For, it's joy. It's just pure joy, pure unadulterated joy. So when you look at um, many of us chase happiness, and I've chased it for many years. I'm like, I don't know what's going to make me happy. And, and uh, I heard Ryan Steven say one time, I said, you know, uh, money can't buy happiness, but I've never cried in a Mercedes. And uh, <laughs> you've never heard him say that? I haven't heard him say that yet, but I'm sure he said something. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I can, I, I can buy that. I like it. Uh, which is true because, uh, you know, you look at scientific studies that they've done and uh, people that earn, uh, you know, when you don't have to worry about paying your bills, right? And I, you know, been through the ups and downs of entrepreneurship and when you're not meeting those obligations and i think for men more so than women because it's it's drilled into to us to be the provider right for for you know our significant Absolutely. other for for our children and when you're at a point where uh you can't meet those obligations it's very stressful and early in my career i experienced that and so i was like what am i going to do to never be at that point again but when you get down to asking yourself, you know, what does it mean to be fearless? Uh, 
it, I think it starts with gratitude and joy. And from there, you can build upon that base of, I, I'm not afraid of what people will think. I'm not afraid of, of failing. Um, you know, you look at a lot of the most successful people uh, and you'll hear, here, just uh, it kind of resonates over and over and over of fail fast, right? Just fail fast. If you're going to do it, do it over and over and over. Because right. if you continue trying, um, you will succeed. And that comes from being fearless. You just have to do it. I mean, I think a lot of us are more concerned about what other people think. And right. we also, I don't care what people think about me. We all do. We all care what people think about us. <laughs> right. I don't care. I don't care who you are. But we really have to get past that, the, the, that ideology of, well, that person thinks this about me and that person thinks that about me. And we've all heard that old adage of, you know, lions aren't concerned about the opinions of sheep, but at the end of the day and you're lying in bed and you're thinking, well, you know, that person really doesn't think too highly of me. Right. And we just have to get past that uh, and realize they don't know our story. They don't know our whole story. But I think that's the base of it is building upon of really overcoming your opinion of me doesn't really matter because I know what I'm trying to be, right? Exactly. This is who I may be, but I want to be that person. So uh, until you know my whole story, your opinion really doesn't matter. Exactly. And trust me, you and I, guys, I guess, have run into that like, I don't know how many times. Oh, yeah. You know, you know what I mean, so it's funny. I've had people talk crazy stuff about, you know, and they're describing me and I'm just listening and I'll catch them sometimes and go, you know, you just described me, but I haven't done that in so long. As a matter of fact, I got my bachelor's, you know, I'll tell them this and then their eyes get big like, oh, I just messed up. Like, there I go, you know, and I, but like, I always, I was taught is like, it's none of my business what people think of me, but right. it is my business what I think of others and I think of myself. Right. So I got the world that way and, and, and try to be the best human as I can. So that leads me into the next question. So, you know, my book, Fearless Happiness, how I put the why in the happiness. Right. So I always ask my guests, knowing that the why is there, what, how does happiness show up in your life and what does that mean to you? Knowing that Mine, why is there. Yeah. So, you know, you, I've shared with you what my legacy is, which is to help a million people out of poverty, the systemic poverty primarily. Uh, a lot of people put themselves there. A lot of people are put there, uh, which is part of my book, which is, you know, how to overcome anything in life and business. And, you know, there are things that happen to us, right? I didn't choose to be an orphan. I didn't choose for certain things to happen to me in life. But then there's the other side of that coin of there are things that I did to myself uh, to good, bad, or indifferent, right? So right. you've, got, you've got two things, things that we do to ourselves and things that we can't control that do happen to us. But the exit is the same. And, you know, I believe God gave us a back and a brain to fix our own shit. You know, um, you can pray all you want, but without action, without execution, it's just not going to happen. So to answer that question, I, I think it comes down to um, defining what that why is. What is your why? And that's not an easy process for some people. You know, mm -hmm. even in our conversations, you know, you made a comment and it's the same comment everyone says, I've never thought of it or I've never thought of it that way. 
And until we get extremely granular about what we want out of life and the why, then I don't think, uh, I'm not saying people won't be successful because there have been people that are successful that haven't gone through that process. Right. But when I, for me, uh, since you're asking me, hmm. I had to get extremely granular about why am I chasing happiness instead of joy? Right. Uh, happiness is fleeting. There are going to be days when we're sad, we're depressed, we're, right. we're upset. Uh, we allowed someone to, uh, you know, uh, get under our skin. I tell my daughters all the time, uh, no, that person did not make you angry. That's a choice. Uh, and so we have to make conscious choices. You know, I forget who was wearing the, the t-shirt uh, recently that said make good choices. <coughs> Excuse me, but uh, it's really just that granularity. And that's where, you know, when you get into the deep, dark hole of who you really are, right? Uh, it matters. I met a guy, uh, and I, as you know, I like cigars, and I hang out in cigar, I'm in, in a cigar shop. I usually use these as my office. But uh, uh, I met a guy, oh, it's probably been seven or eight years ago, former NFL player. Him and I are, are fairly good friends. And he leans over to me, and he's, he's, he's crying. And, he, and I'm like, dude, what is up? And, and he said, my wife found my whore phone. I had to think about that because I'd never heard anybody use that phrase before. I'm like, does that, does that mean what I think it means? Yes. Like, dude. And I said, I, I want to I ask you one thing. If, if you can't take your phone and give it to your children, maybe you should change. Because if they can go through your browser history or they can go through your chats and you wouldn't show that to your mother or your children, then why are you doing it? Right. Exactly. And we've all been there. I'm not, I'm not passing judgment. I'm just saying I've been through that process of, do you want to be a better person? Right. And so, and it comes down to your, why, why are you, why are you living the life you're living and why are you doing what you're doing? And at the end of the day, what are you going to do about it? Right. So because my old, my old father-in-law, uh, Wayne, uh, rest his soul. Um, you know, uh, former father-in-law, my ex-wife, a dad, just a great guy. And I watched how he raised his children, the three daughters. And I asked him one time, you know, uh, what would you do, you know, in this situation? And I don't remember the scenario, but Wayne always had this response of, do you really want to know? And he, he, he just always answered everything with a question. And he goes, look, most people don't really want advice. They want confirmation of what they're going to do anyway. But he, the way he raised his daughters in the same way I raise my daughters now is, hey, I have a problem. Okay, well, let's hear the problem. And they will tell you, okay, what are you going to do about it? And right. they will tell you. And he would always end it with, well, it sounds like you have it all figured out. Because he wanted them to make their own choices and figure out their own life instead of what he thought would be the solution for that. Right. And I think a lot of us run into that. We're looking for external, either external validation or we're looking for someone else to solve our problems. Absolutely. And, I, and we go back to what I said earlier. God gave you a back in the brain to fix your own shit. Right. That's why I put the why there, because it begins with us. Right. Nothing outside of me is going to make me happy. Not my wife, not you, not my dogs. You know what I mean? I have to do that internal work. That's no, I don't know about dogs, man. We got. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, my dogs are pretty cool, actually. 
But you get what I'm saying, right? A lot of people think yeah. they have to have this outside validation to be happy. Right. You know, well, I can't, you know, I, I look at the relationship, you know, I'm, I'm, people ask me for relationship advice. I'm like, wrong guy. Because uh, I've screwed up more relationships than I care to admit, but uh, I've had to admit them. Um, until we find our own happiness, you know, I always say when you're, when you're ready and the other person is ready, and I'm talking about you don't have to be whole, right. but you have to be happy with who you are internally and where you're going and understand that you're there to support each other. I think the universe matches those people together and say they're ready to move forward. It's when we fight against that um, and it, we accept substandard um, uh, events or people into our lives or even attract them. I, I know I've attracted the wrong people, business partners and relationships, but until we become happy with who we are, we're not going to attract the right type of person. Luckily, I'm not putting this on video. Sorry about that. I mean, but uh, yeah, I get it, right? It's life is such a trip. Like when you really take a look at it and the things that we go through as human beings, right? We can either do, we can either be the examples of what to do or what not to do, right? right. And I choose to be the one what to do, right? Because like you, I have children. I got two daughters and a son, you know, and um, it's just, I don't know. I, I, I look through a different lens nowadays, like after the crap I've been through, it's like, it's not worth it to, to be negative and to, to judge people. I mean, I, I understand sometimes you got to judge, right? Cause we got to make sure this person is okay for me or my family or whatever. Right. But I'm going to always give the person the benefit of the doubt. And I'm going to let them prove me right or prove me wrong and then move on from there. But those are great examples, great definitions of fearless and, and happiness. And, you know, I, I still believe in the inherent goodness of people until they too. prove me wrong. Absolutely. I I, I refuse to allow bad business partners, uh, just bad customers. You know, Kevin and I, my partner, we've been partners for 20 years. Business partners, he makes me say. Uh, you know, we've been business partners for 20 years. And when him and I were in, were in business together the very first year, uh, I think it was the second year we were in business, I was living in Denver. We had a client file bankruptcy owing us over $10 million. And, and it was, people were like, how'd you let somebody go out that long? Well, what was the industry we're in? You know, you're allowing net terms uh, when you're dealing with, uh, you know, uh, that industry. And I still refuse to let that define uh, that there's just bad people in the world because I, I just refuse to believe that. Right. Absolutely. I agree with you. I believe in it. Exactly. Inherit good of people. Because most of the time I'm proved right. Like most people I know are good people. So yeah, absolutely. You know, the only time they're bad people, it's because I'm doing bad things. You know what I found is like, oh God, you know, well, what are you doing? Max, take a look in the mirror. Oh yeah, you're right. So I'm attracting those people. Well, oh, right. Oh, attracting. Yeah. I, I've, uh, I, I learned about that about six or seven years ago that we, you know, we attract that. Right. It's what we're putting out is what we're bringing in. Absolutely. You know, if you if you've ever read uh, Robert Scheinfeld's, I think it's called Busting the Great Game of Business or forget the name of the title. But uh, he talks about, you know, creating this hologram. 
I'm the creator. I, this is what I want. And everything else needs to be out of that hologram. Uh, and, and when I read that, I said, oh, so I'm the one that's been attracting, you know, this type of people. So right. I'm not going to do that anymore. <laughs> well, awesome, awesome episode, my friend. Uh, thank you for coming on the show. But before we part, um, I always like to leave it like this. Like what give the audience your last thoughts or how they can get a hold of you if they want to work with you. Go ahead and uh, tell them how to get a hold. Yeah. We're on Facebook, Michael J. Gilbert. You'll, you'll see a you know uh, kind of a Max Headroom picture of me. <laughs> uh, or we're at busybox.solutions. It's B-U-S-I-B-O-X dot solutions. Um, this is the best way to reach me right now. So Awesome. Well, I appreciate you coming and doing the show, my friend. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule. Thanks for coming on. And yeah. we see each other again, like we did in our meetup in February. Um, onward and upward, as they say. Yes. All see, right. great thing. see great things coming for you, my man. I right, thank you. I appreciate it. You too. Talk to you soon.